Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Oh my gosh, it's so good to see you guys here. We're so glad that y'all are joining us here and online celebrating the Christmas season. We're going to ask if you're able to stand up uh, as we sing and celebrate together.
be seated for just a moment. We're so glad that you're here with us tonight in person, and for those of you that are online joining us, we're so glad you're here as well. We have a wonderful tradition here at River Bluff where we seek to meet a need at Christmas time. And 100% of these funds will go to this uh, ministry that we've picked. And so we've got a short video. I'd like you to watch that right now, if we could roll that video. I'm Brian Wright with Sin Relief, and I'm standing today with the chairman of the board and the architect for the Nazareth Baptist School in Nazareth, Israel. They have a tremendous need here. Sin Relief is supporting through our funding this need, but we also need much more help because the Israeli government requires every school to have bomb shelters that has a capacity for all the students at that school. And here's a school of about 1,000 students. The total cost of providing those bomb shelters is over $600,000. And I want to ask you and your church to pray about taking part in supporting this wonderful Christ-centered school that is a beacon of light in the whole Nazareth community by your gifts and your support for these bomb shelters. Sin Relief believes in this because two of our five priorities are strengthening communities and ministry to children and families. That is what this school is doing as it impacts this community. Thank you for your prayers. And you can go to sinrelief.org to find out how you and your church can take part in providing what is a very real need in this time of the Israeli-Hamas war, but also knowing for the future that there is so much unrest in this region, the bomb shelters are always needed. I know that started really quick, so if you didn't pick up, he is in Nazareth, so the hometown where Jesus grew up, and they are asking for funds for a bomb shelter, but they are also serving the needs of the people that have been displaced because of the conflict with Hamas and Gaza. So Nazareth has swollen with a lot of people just seeking refuge there, and they're seeking to meet those needs as well. But that bomb shelter is very important so that the kids can go to school and be safe. So we're collecting for that. We'll continue to collect through the end of the year. You can give online. We also have these boxes at the back, our giving kiosk. You can slip your envelope in there. Uh, to give to that as well. And 100% of those funds go to that sin relief organization. So I'd like to pray over that if you join me. Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, for your hometown of Nazareth, Lord, and the way that it has been impacted by this war, Lord. And we know that it is predominantly Muslim at this time and that that school is a light in that community. So, Father, we want that light to shine bright. We want you to bless that school, to bless every student that goes in there, whether they're Christian or Jewish or Muslim, Lord, that they are reached for you, Lord, that they come to know you, Jesus Christ. And maybe with that bomb shelter, there's that extra level of safety for a parent to send their children to this school. So, Lord, we just ask that you, you bless your hometown you bless this ministry that is serving people in that area of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask if you are able again to stand and continue to celebrate with us.
Merry Christmas, River Bluff and visitors. Uh, we're just so glad you guys are here today to celebrate the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ's birth. We are the Rayless family. I'm Emmanuel. This is my wife, uh, Ashley, our daughter, Sophia, Bruno, and Nico. And we've been part of this family for 14 years. Uh, and we're just so glad you're here today to celebrate uh, our Lord Savior first coming. On Christmas Eve, we share the joy of the coming of our Savior. The first four candles of the Advent wreath represent hope, peace, joy, and love. Tonight, we light the center candle, the Christ candle, which symbolizes God giving light to the world through his son, Jesus Christ. The Christ candle points to the centrality and radiance of Christ's light in our lives. Jesus is the spotless lamb of God sent to wash away our sins. We light this candle with great joy and celebration. God's son has come into the world to be our savior and he will come again in all his glory. Our gospel reading is from Luke 2 verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the, son of, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you great news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swollen cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made it known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day that we get to come together and worship you. Thank you for sending your one and only son down to sacrifice for our sins. I pray for the people in Nazareth, Israel, that they find 
the bomb shelters they need to help keep the kids survive. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Amen. Happy birthday. Well, I am glad to see you all here. Merry Christmas to you on this Christmas Eve. If you are uh, maybe a first-time guest with us, uh, I just want to say how honored we are that you would choose to uh, bless us with your presence uh, on Christmas Eve. We, we are very, very grateful um, for that honor. I'm going to move my candle back here uh, so that um, it doesn't roll off onto the floor because I'll knock things around up here I, if I get to flailing around or moving around too much. Um, we are, uh, again, so excited that you're here. The, the gospel writer, Luke, uh, recorded those incredible words that Sophia just read to us. And it, uh, part of it may have become one of the most well-known uh, par- portions of the Christmas story because of that, that little character, Linus, in Charlie Brown, Christmas. You remember Linus? I mean, he did such a good job of sharing the gospel that day. Uh, it was just such a beautiful thing. L- Luke records these great details of the birth of Christ, the, the ministry, his life. In, and it starts out in Luke chapter 2. But interesting, we get to the end of Jesus' life and ministry. And in Luke 22, uh, Luke records another aspect, event, from the life of our Lord and Savior uh, when Jesus instituted what we know as communion, uh, oftentimes called the Lord's Supper. And we're going to participate that in just a bit. And so if you didn't by chance get your elements for that, they're on tables. You can just step out into one of the hallways and and grab those if you forgot those. If you are uh, joining us on live, on live stream, we want to encourage you maybe to run through the house real quickly and find some crackers and some juice or something so that you can participate um, from home as well. Now, Luke records these actions of Jesus, these words Um, that I want to read to you. It's from Luke chapter 22. Um, We're going to start reading. uh, Let's start in, let's say, verse 14. And when the hour had come, he being Jesus, reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This is the word of the Lord. Now, the gospel writer Matthew also records in Matthew um, chapter 26, he records this event, and he uses some words that are just slightly different, but all mean the same thing. But I was very captured by this phrasing that Matthew used over this Advent season. He says this, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples. There was a sequencing there, blessed, broken, given. 
We see this in the Lord's Supper, but we also see it in the rhythm of the historic account of the shepherds in the fields that night that we just read about. See, the shepherds were, were blessed of God even in their brokenness. You know, they, 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 in their brokenness, they, they even turn and they gave. I want us to kind of walk through that for a moment. Let's look back at that in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, in the same region there were shepherds uh, out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. See, the shepherds were blessed by this encounter with, with the angels, this message from God. But please notice this. It wasn't just the angel that was present or the angels that were present. The Bible says the glory of God shone around them. Friends, I don't know if you know this, but when the glory of God shows up, it means God is present. See, God himself was present in the field that night. His great glory surrounded them, the glory of the holy God, the Lord God Almighty. And of all the people for God to come to with this great news, it was lowly shepherds because he was letting them know that he had sent his one and his only son into the world to save the entire world. And not only had God sent angels to this announcement, but he was present himself. I mean, what just an unbelievably great blessing. And that verse continues on and it says this, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Of course they were. You would be too. If you were out, you know, in the middle of the night in a field, you were just watching some smelly, stinky sheep, you know, that was your job, and suddenly out of, in the darkness, this angel appears. And on top of that, Suddenly, you're surrounded by the glory of the Lord God of all creation. You'd be overcome with fear, too. You know, it, it'd be an incredible thing. But they, they weren't just afraid because of the suddenness of this encounter that brought fear into the shepherd's heart. That was probably played a part of it. I think it was also because of their brokenness. They realized in that moment... Because they realized God was present, because his glory was there, that they were sinful. And that their sin separated them from God, and that he was holy, and they were not. See, the shepherds, they knew this about the glory of God. They, they would have been familiar with the Old Testament prophecy um, written about in the book of Isaiah. When Isaiah encountered the glory of God, and it's recorded in Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible tells us that when Isaiah came into the presence of the glory of God, that he fell on his face, and that he cried out, I am completely undone, basically saying, I'm broken. I'm a sinful man, and I can't be in the presence of a holy God. This would have been part of that fear, that awe, that the, the shepherds experienced that night in the presence of the, 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 the holiness of God in his glory. But the angels tells them immediately, you don't have to fear. You don't need to be afraid because God has chosen you to hear the greatest news that any mortal ear has ever heard before. It's a great blessing. Now, I want to come back to the brokenness of the shepherds uh, in just a moment. But so far, we've seen they were blessed 
they experienced their own brokenness. Now let's look at given. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Now, what had they been told concerning this child? Well, we read about it in verse 11 a moment ago. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That was the good news. That was that, was that, that word that they had, a Savior had been born. Verse 18 tells us, and they said to all who heard it uh, and, and wondered at what the shepherds had said to them in verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. A Savior's born. The shepherds had to give that away. They couldn't just hold on to it from their experience of, of the great blessing of God and experience in that great blessing even in their condition of brokenness. They had to give. They had to give away what had been given to them. They couldn't help but tell others about Jesus, about a Savior that had been born for them, for everyone for that matter. And so like the shepherds did that night, when they met the love of God, they had to tell everyone. Their hearts were so overwhelmed with the love of God and his glory that had been given to them. So they, they turned and they began giving that away. I don't know if you know this, but the single greatest act of love that you or I can ever provide to anyone would be to do what the shepherds did that night, and that is to turn and tell others about Jesus, about the Savior of the world, that he was born for them. And I want to take just a second to do that now, because just maybe there's someone here uh, on Christmas Eve who doesn't personally know Jesus as their Savior. And while I'm doing this, I want to simultaneously remind those of us who have known Jesus for a while personally that we can introduce this Jesus that we love to others in a very simple way. You know, the Apostle John recorded many of the words that Jesus literally spoke from his own lips, from his own mouth. And in John chapter 3, verse 16, probably the, the best known of, of Bible verses, the Bible tells us, John records what Jesus said when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal or everlasting life. And that is such an important message for our world. That's why God sent Jesus at Christmas, so that no one would ever have to be separated from God. No one would ever perish and be separated from God, that everyone could come. And by putting their trust in Jesus, believing that he really is the Son of God sent to save us, that we could have life forever. And important as those words are for us to grab hold of, I believe that in our day, the next sentence that came out of Jesus' mouth that John recorded may be even more vital for us to hear. Because far too often, the true message of Jesus that he came to us and it's about the love of God has been distorted. 
too often by religious people, people who have taken the word of God and turned it into a whipping post instead of the love letter from God that it truly is. Listen to the next words that John recorded that came from from Jesus' lips. Verse 17 of John 3. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved or that the world might be saved through him. See, Jesus, Jesus didn't come to condemn you. That was not why God sent him. That's not why he was born on Christmas. But some of you, your really only encounters about Jesus have been from, you know, church people. And you left feeling more condemned than you felt loved. And I just want to say, I'm sorry for that. I I apologize to you for that. You left feeling more condemned than feeling like somebody was trying to throw you a lifeline. You may have showed up in a a meeting kind of like this and felt, you know, like you you came in your brokenness. And instead instead of getting help that you needed... You feel like what people did was looked at you and said, why were you so dumb to get in that mess in the first place? That's not the message of Christmas. That's not why God sent his son. It is not the message of Jesus. Condemnation is not his message. His message is that God loves you. That's why he sent his son that first Christmas. Because what we could not do for ourselves, we could not in our own strength be obedient to God. We couldn't have fellowship with his holiness in our own strength. And so God did that through his son, Jesus. We can be reconciled to our heavenly father through the perfectly lived life and the beautifully lived death of our savior, Jesus. And if you would trust him, Trust that he really is God's one and only son. Trust that he came to save you. He came to give you life now that's eternal and show you how to live that life that God had planned for you, an abundant life, saving you from the hopeless despair that comes from the pain and the sorrow in this world as well as from your own brokenness. Jesus came to save, and you can trust him today. I remember years ago, when I was a teenager, and trust me when I say it was, and I know some of you are thinking, Joe, that was many, many years ago, and you would be correct. That would be true. But I remember listening to a pastor give a message, and he tried to paint this picture in the message of our life kind of being like a a house. And this guy kind of did a tour of his house with Jesus, and he walked into this one room that was the study, And he said, Jesus, this is my study. You know, this is where, you know, I do my thinking. And, you know, it was obvious that this this person's mind was kind of a mess. And then he took Jesus into the dining room. And the dining room kind of points out our fleshly appetites and how we can get so far off track from God's plan in those and how distorted Uh, those aspects of our lives can become. And then walked into the living room and he said, you know, Jesus, this is such a cozy room. This would be a, you know, a good place, you know, if I would take the time to stop and and meet with you. But I just kind of blow you off. And he he goes through all the rooms of the house and he gets to the end of kind of the message and he, he makes this kind of plea that why don't you turn 
the whole house over to Jesus. Let him renovate the whole house. Now, during this Advent season, I was introduced to a poem that is what was the catalyst to bring my mind back to that sermon. And I want to share the poem with you. It's entitled Covenant, and it is written by Margaret Halaska. She writes these words. God knocks at my door, seeking a home for his son. Rent is cheap, I say. I don't want to rent. I want to buy, says God. I'm not sure I want to sell. But you can come in and look around. I think I will, says God. I might let you have a room or two. I like it, says God. I'll take two. You might decide to give me more someday. I can wait, says God. Well, I'd like to give you more, but it's a bit difficult. You know, I need space for me. I know, says God, but I'll wait. I like what I see. Hmm. Maybe, maybe I can let you have another room. I really don't need that much. Thanks, says God. I'll take it. I like what I see. I'd like to give you the whole house, but I'm just not sure. Think on it, says God. I wouldn't put you out. Your house would be mine and my son would live in it. And you'd have more space than you ever had before. I don't understand at all. I know, says God. But I can't tell you about that. You'll have to discover it for yourself. And that can only happen if you let me have the whole house. But that's a bit risky, I say. Yes, says God, but try me. I'm not sure. I'll let you know. I can wait, says God. I like what I see. Maybe that's been you. Maybe time after time, God has come to you, and you've taken him on a tour maybe, but you've never given it all over to him. And he's waiting, and you need to know all he wants to do is love you. He's waiting. There's an old hymn, and if you know the chorus, sing it with me. Time after time, he has waited before, and now he is waiting again to see if you're willing to open the door. Why? Don't you let him come in. God is waiting on you to open the door to your life. And you can do that. You can do it right now. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to challenge you to seriously in this moment, considering just turning your whole life over to him. And if you're open to do that, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And you can just repeat these words in your heart right after me as a prayer to God. Telling him this is truly from your heart. And the Bible says that if you trust him, he will save you. Pray with me. 
Lord Jesus, I come on this Christmas Eve believing with my whole heart that you truly are the Son of God. I come bringing my brokenness knowing that my sin has damaged me and separated me from you, Jesus. I come trusting that if I will turn away from my sin and turn to you, Jesus, if I will turn from my brokenness and bring it to you, you will save me. I choose in this moment to give you all of my life, to put my trust in you. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says if you do that by faith, trusting that Jesus is God's son, that you have stepped from death into life eternal. And that's a big step, friends. And there is so much that comes with that that we want you to know about. And so if for the very first time you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something. This may be a little scary. I'm going to ask you to look in front of you, and there's a connection card in the seat back in front of you. To pull that out, give us some personal contact information, and just write on the card, prayed the prayer. And someone from our church, it probably will be me, will contact you to say, we want to help you grow in all of the grace, in all of the mercy, in all of the joy that, that Jesus has planned for you. Because there, there is so much. Because we're going to continue to live in our brokenness while we're here. But he will be with us to help us through that until the day he comes to take us to be with him forever. And then all of our brokenness will be completely healed. But until then, he gives himself to us to help us in this life. See, Jesus is God with us. That, that's one of the other major messages of Christmas. He's the Savior who is always with us in our brokenness and sorrow. It's just so central to the Christmas message that God doesn't come into our perfect lives. He steps into the mess. He comes to us just where we are as we are to be with us right there. You remember that verse from Luke 2, uh, verse 9? It says that the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. We talked briefly about the brokenness and I said I wanted to come back to that. See, while we're familiar with part of the Christmas story that, you know, that, that part of the Christmas story that tells us there was no room in the end for, for Jesus and for his, his parents. In that day, there was also another group, group of people who there was no room for them in their culture. That was the shepherds. The shepherds of that day were really social outcasts. Shepherds in Israel were considered the lowest of low class. They were actually considered their, their vocation to be unclean. It was an unclean occupation in the Jewish mindset. 
uh, because sheep are so often dirty and smelly and messy and there's oftentimes blood associated with caring for sheep and there's manure and they're infested with all kinds of insects and disease. And so their occupation was considered to be so unclean that they could not participate in gatherings like this. They couldn't go to temple. They couldn't worship God corporately in a a, a setting like this. So not only were they uh, acquainted with their own brokenness in the field that night, they were also acquainted with what it was like to be an outcast, to not be accepted, to not to literally be cut off from a faith community. Broken relationally, broken socially, broken spiritually. You know, shepherds would not have been accepted in any kind of sacred sacred space until they met Jesus. That first Christmas night. See, Jesus comes saying to them, I'm making room for you in your brokenness right where you are. Shepherds knew they were not the kind of people that would ever get an invitation to a palace if a king was going to be born. So the king was not born in a palace. He was born in the lowliest of places. He's not lying in some fancy crib that you could get from Ikea and assemble yourself. He's not wrapped in some, you know, beautiful robe that maybe you could get from, you know, Dillard's or Belk or someplace like that. He's put in strips of cloth wrapped up to keep him warm and he's laid in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. Jesus came that way to say to the shepherds, I'm like you. He came uh, just that way. And he comes to us tonight to say, I know what it's like to be you. I, I came like you. And because of that, he's made space for us to be with him, to worship him, to do life together with him. And so we need to be looking for him right where we're at in life because he's already there. You don't have to get cleaned up. You just come as you are. Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and verse 8. He says this, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus has always done this since that very first Christmas. But here's what's going to go on in your mind and your soul. The enemy of your soul is going to lie to you and try to tell you, well, you can't come to him. Not, not, not where you're at in life. Not the way you've kind of turned your back on him before. Maybe you trusted him, but you just have kind of wandered away. Jesus says you can come back again. You can come back right where you are, as you are. And maybe that's you this Christmas Eve. Maybe, maybe you're someone who you gave your life to Christ. You, you gave him the whole, whole house years ago. But since then, you've taken back room after room after room after room to now you may feel like I can't approach him. I can't go back to him. I, I, he, he gave me all this grace and love, and I just kind of turned my back on it. And the Jesus at Christmas is the Jesus of today. And he said, that's not changed. You can come back as you are, where you are. I will take you back. If you're here today and you hear Jesus saying that to you, 
He came that first Christmas for that so that everyone would always know that there's a place that you can come back to and it's him. And you can always come just as you are, right where you are. Always come back to Jesus, he says. See, when it comes to this gospel account of the shepherds, we see Jesus coming first to the least of, of all in humanity of that day. And he did it, I believe, so that the world, you and I could know tonight that he always comes for the least of us. See, what that means is whatever, whatever that quality in your life that you think of makes you the least spiritual, that quality that you think most disqualifies you from fellowship with God, from being around him. For God, that's actually the place he wants to meet you. At that place. It could actually become the occasion, that aspect of your life, where God has chosen to meet you. It may be in an addiction. It may be in your deepest brokenness. Because that's what he did that first Christmas. And that's what Jesus still does today. See, the invitation of the Jesus of the manger who's all grown up is come to me. All who are weary and broken and lonely and hurting. And I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. I have a place for you. You're welcome here with me just as you are. Just come to me. Put your trust in me. Believe my words are for you. Bring your brokenness to me. And that's the invitation, that same invitation that Jesus gave to his disciples when he instituted the Lord's Supper. And it is the message that's central to Holy Communion. It's the message of the entire gospel of Jesus. The gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, recorded Jesus' words. We've looked at them already, but I want to read them to you again. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Blessed. Broken. Given. I've been so captured by that sequencing from the Christmas story this year and from the communion story from the Gospels. Now, if I had come up with a sequence, I'd have done it all different. I'd have started with broken because that's kind of where I think of myself in my journey with Jesus. But that's not how Jesus sees it. Jesus starts with blessing. He, he, he understands that what this means is God was enfolding our life story into his story. See, that's the essence of what God does. He calls out to us in his great glory. While we were still in our brokenness, he calls out to us in our own darkness, just like he did the shepherds. And that is a great blessing. He, he brings himself to us and calls us out. It's the blessing that is paralleled in Genesis chapter 1 when God, the Bible tells us that God blessed Adam and Eve and put them in paradise. Paul writes about it when he writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And that blessing is God renaming us and reclaiming us at his own. But then there's that brokenness in communion. 
And see, friends, Jesus, the Bible says, is the bread of life. And he was broken and given for us. Now, you know your own brokenness. You're acquainted with it. All of us have it. I've got my own brokenness that I deal with. And, you know, brokenness, as I see it, comes from one of three places. Some of it just comes from my own failures, my own sin, my own, my own shortcomings. But some of the brokenness that, that we experience just comes from human frailty because we're creatures that have limits. We have bodies that break down. We have mental capacities that are limited. We have emotional capacities that are, are, are limited. But then sometimes our brokenness comes from just the fallenness of this world. And I think both Christmas and communion not only give us permission to acknowledge our brokenness, but actually to show us, to point us to the beauty when we can see we have a Savior. We come in our brokenness in order to let him redeem it. And I believe that's why that second movement Jesus put in communion. Because we're blessed in Christ, there's nothing about our brokenness that we can't bring to Jesus. Every part of our story the pain and, and the joys. You know, and what that means is you never, ever, ever, ever have to approach God and only show him the shiny parts of your life. You can bring all of yourself, all of your brokenness, openly and honestly, and just confess it to him. And before we share in communion, we want to take a moment to do that. So I want to invite our worship team back up on stage. See, when we come to communion... We come already blessed, renamed and reclaimed by Jesus, by his blessing. We can easily then acknowledge our brokenness. And that's what the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, about how to share communion together, told them. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to jump down to verse 27. He says this, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. In just a moment, our praise team is going to lead us in a song. But this is a song that has been designed more for reflection than for singing. Now, you can sing it, of course, if that helps uh, your heart. But here's what I would encourage you to do. Do what Paul encouraged those in Corinth to do. Take some time to examine yourself, to let the Holy Spirit speak to you into the depths of your soul. And maybe there's something that's been keeping you from sweet fellowship with the Lord. And he wants to bring that to your attention so that you can talk to him about it, so that you can acknowledge it and confess it. Take these moments to do that. Be like the shepherds were in the field that first Christmas. And, and remember, you know, they, they were afraid, but they, they, they heard that voice, that message from God, the angel. You don't have to be afraid. See, God wants you to bring your fears to him because he don't, doesn't want us overcome. With our, our, our fears, he bids us to bring our fears to him because they matter to him. 
to your Father in heaven, your fear is an opportunity for great faith. He's inviting you to deeper faith. You can bring your fears to God before you participate in communion. So as we come to prepare for the Lord's table, you don't have to come faking faith. You don't have to come any other way. You can come to him in your unfaithfulness. You can come to him in your weariness. You can bring him your brokenness. So let's go to the Lord now. Pray with me. Father, we come in the powerful name of Jesus. We come in this moment. We come bringing our brokenness to you. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Point out any brokenness, any evil way in us, any sin that's keeping us from experiencing the fullness of fellowship with you. Guide us now, Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray.
on the night before Jesus would go to the cross, on the night before his great suffering for our sin, the Bible tells us that he took bread and he blessed it. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to pull off just the first level of that cellophane and pull out that little wafer, that little piece of bread. If you're joining us on live stream, you may want to get your bread ready. On that night, Jesus said that this is my body. It is given for you. Take and eat. Then the Bible said that Jesus had taken the cup and he said, this represents my blood of the new covenant, which is being poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink from it all. I've asked Ty Coleman if he would come and lead us in a prayer giving thanks for the great sacrifice of our Lord. Ty. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you. We thank you for blessing us, for meeting us in our brokenness, and for redeeming us, Lord. We thank you that you saw fit to die on the cross on our behalf for our forgiveness of sin, Lord. We thank you that you saw us worthy of such an act. And we also thank you, uh, starting out with your, your plan of having a little baby boy born of a virgin here to live amongst us. Lord, in this message, Lord, we know that you truly love us. And Lord, I ask that uh, those who are those who were saved by you, Lord, that we can rejoice, Lord. And those who are not, Lord, I pray that you would draw them near and uh, give them the message of you, Jesus, that the kingdom has come and to repent and believe in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Ty. You know, the rhythm of blessed, broken, and given. That happens at the hands of Jesus as he lived from his blessing, bringing himself into all of our brokenness. But here's the thing, friends. In his hands, our brokenness can become a new openness. If you grew up here in the South like I did, or if you have been transplanted here long enough, you may be familiar with a phrase called, sop it up. See, we, we, we sop up our soup with cornbread. We sop up our gravy with a good biscuit, where you just take and wipe out the remainder in that bowl and you know, put it in your mouth. Friends, that's what happens with your brokenness 
in the hands of Jesus, it can sop up all of his grace, all of his mercy that he has for you. And when you let him do that, it'll lead you to that third movement of the shepherds and of communion. See, bread that's never broken cannot be shared. But once it's broken, it can be given to others. And that's how Jesus, the bread of life, so often comes to others is through our brokenness coming into his hands and he distributes us back out into the world having absorbed his life, having absorbed his grace and his joy and his hope and his peace and his love, his life and his light. I'm going to ask our deacons. If you're here tonight and one of our deacons, I'm going to ask you to begin making your way down here. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus came into this great darkness bringing our lives his light. And that when that gift comes to us, that we're to receive it and then we're to take it out to each other. Guys, y'all can go ahead and start sharing it with one another there too. And then out to the congregation. Once your candle is lit, I'm going to ask you to turn or maybe stand and light somebody beside you or behind you because you can give the light of Christ away as well. You know, Jesus has given the light of his life to us, bringing us out of our darkness, out of that brokenness that we have. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah declared that the people Walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Jesus said of himself in John chapter 8, I'm the light of the world and whoever follows me will never have to walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He desires that we take what we have been given and turn and give it to others. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And we want to close our Christmas Eve service, celebrating that life and that light that was given to us this first Christmas and then was given to us at Calvary and will be given to us in all of its fullness when he comes again. So as your candle has been lit and you've shared it with others, I'm going to ask you if you are able to stand to join us as we sing together about that great night when Jesus broke into the darkness and the brokenness of the shepherds, knowing that he has broken into ours as well. Let's worship him. Silent night Holy night All is calm
the blessing of Christ, renaming you and reclaiming you as his own, fill your brokenness with his life and his light so that like the shepherds, when you go back to your places where you live, work, and play, you'll go glorifying and praising God for all that you have found in the Jesus of Christmas. Merry Christmas. May the life of Christ fill you in the new year. Please extinguish your candles upon leaving and drop them in the box on your way out. And have a very blessed Merry Christmas. God bless you.